The most important relationships in your life, the ones you'll remember on your deathbed, the ones that will bond you to a person that you'll build a whole life around are people you've had amazing orgasms with. Like that's the thing that glues us together in so many ways. It's and like so, family and people you had great orgasms right, with, right. hopefully different people. Right, right, hopefully. <laughs> Ideally, yes. But first, a word from our sponsors. You know you've made it in entertainment or are on your way out when you're helping dicks get and stay hard. Give your cock a natural performance boost with our sponsor, Joy Mode. No prescriptions, no drugs. It's just like a pre-workout, but for sex. Get 20% off your first order at usejoymode.com slash manwhore. Again, that's usejoymode, U-S-E-J-O-Y-M-O-D-N-E, and use promo code manwhore at checkout. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now, Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny, or use promo code manwhore at checkout. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Manwhore Podcast. Shout out to the Pride Patrols, the Popper Parents, and the Penis Inhalers. Those three were stupid put together, but this is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 happy Pride, everyone. Hope you've been squeezing in some gay this week. Just really start cramming it in while it's still legal to do so in your local jurisdiction. This week's episode, I have got on filmmaker Alex Liu. He has a new documentary out called Ace Explanation, which at this present moment in time has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and that is no small feat. Uh, the brief description is, to right the wrongs of his all-American sex education, 36-year-old health reporter Alex Liu goes on a quest to uncover naked truths and hard facts. See what he did there? No matter how awkward it gets. Hey, we love a good quest over here at the Man Whore Podcast, uh, over at this sex-positive quest for love. So I'm looking forward to sharing my conversation with Alex in just a little bit. But uh, I've been having a backslide. I am ooh, relapsing, everybody. I'm, I'm feeling the urge. I'm feeling compelled to pick fights. Ah. The Ohio State Legislature actually passes this law I'm about to tell you about. Like, I actually may go do a road trip to Ohio and get myself shot at some kid's practice. The Ohio State House Legislature passed a bill last week to block trans girls from playing on female sports in K-12 or college. Now, that's not entirely new. But here's what is new and fucking crazy about House Bill 151, a.k.a. the Save Women's Sports Act, okay? Right there on the first page of the bill, uh, subsection C, if a participant's sex is disputed, the participant shall establish the participant's sex by presenting a signed physician's statement indicating the participant's sex based upon only the following. Okay, did you hear that? If a participant's sex is disputed, and that appears to be by anybody if anybody shows up to a practice and is like i don't know he's a little too fey she's a little too tall 
that participant has to provide, and, and you can't really tell if it's one of these or all of these, but it says one, the participant's internal and external reproductive anatomy. Two, the participant's normal endogenously produced levels of testosterone. I hope I said that word right. I am just a comedian with a fuck show. I don't know what I'm talking about. Three, an analysis of the participant's genetic makeup. Um, whoa, wait, what? That means I could roll up to an Ohio football practice, even up to the college level, and I can just be like, yeah, I think they all have pussies. And a guy could be like, oh, you think we're pussies? No, 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 I think you all have pussies. Show me some paperwork, boys. Head on down to the doctor's office, go get fondled, and get your papers. Because the other version of this is there are going to be people who are going to say, I don't know, that chick's too good at basketball. I want to make sure she's a lady. And what is that going to involve? An exam of her internal reproductive anatomy. They're going to make little girls go to the doctor and get a fucking pelvic exam. Are you out of your fucking minds, people? How is that not every attack at? Because that's what this bill says. And it ain't the only one. Some of you may have heard that, uh, you know, Texas is uh, some Texas legislature is introducing a ban on bringing children to drag shows because a video went viral of a, of a drag queen dancing in front of kids. Of course, we can still show our kid Rambo because that's our heritage. That's our culture. Fuck people. Shit's getting scary out there. Every time you say, yeah, but the Democrats this. Okay. But if only one of them's going to not do these types of bills, isn't that enough of a reason to support them for now? I know it sucks, but only one party is dedicated to not introducing anti-queer bills. I had a great birthday. I really did. I kicked off my birthday by going to Hacienda on Saturday night. You know, it's, I did, you know, I went to Hacienda, I put on the goddamn glitter. I've definitely been down in the dumps about the breakup and the uncertainty and, you know, will she ever come back and all that jazz. I'm still in that phase of, you know, hey, she could come back. I don't know. But I was like, I'm going to go. And, you know, I went and I gave myself a challenge. I, I frequently do this when I go to Hacienda Solo. I give myself a little just just some goal setting, just something to accomplish. An excuse to force some confidence into my system. So I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to flirt with five people. Okay, if I flirt slash introduce myself to five women and nothing happens and I want to leave, I can leave. But I got I got a, five people. Five people and I got to get to midnight because I have a friend. It was their birthday on Saturday and then my birthday was Sunday. So like at midnight, I got like a nice kiss to, to hand off the birthday. So I was like, I got to make it to my midnight kiss and five people. And I do this when I like go out in comedy spaces. I'm feeling socially anxious. Like, you know what? I'm going to go to this comedian's birthday party and I'm going to shake three new hands. And if I want to leave after an hour, I can leave. I, I, that's how I kind of talk to myself in these um, high pressure social situations. So I get to the party and like I'm kind of immediately on the prowl. This is not like me. I am walking around. I'm looking for. You know, people who look like they're also looking to talk to somebody, you know? Do you want to know the most uncharacteristic thing I did is there was this oh, babe and her outfit just really accentuated this big, beautiful, juicy ass. And in normal, polite society, 
You don't go up to somebody and tell them, wow, you've got a great ass. I mean, hey, a lot of men are doing it anyway, but they're not supposed to. Uh, so, you know, you have, I've kind of been trained to not do that. I passed her, what, two, three times. And eventually I it was like, okay, but hey, we got to we gotta flirt with five people. So we were both walking downstairs. I, I said, hey, you know, I just got to say, you have got a, I, you know, I, I feel uncomfortable saying it on the show. I compliment the woman's behind. And she responded well to us. Like, oh, wow. And we talked. And I was like, can I join you? Walk, And we walked a little bit, talked a bit, exchanged names. But I did it. Flirted with the, I think I flirted with six women. Uh, one of whom kept saying she wanted to murder me. And she, <laughs> she had this real, oh, I'm never coming here ever again kind of attitude. You know, I could tell she was not super impressed with the party. I mean, I could tell even during the consent workshop, because at one point they say, hey, you know, don't get too drunk. And I just saw her fervently shaking her head. No. <laughs> and then we were talking at one point and I just I sincerely thought she hated me. And then like when we would pass each other, she would keep referencing like, mm, I'm going to murder your fucking face. I'm like, OK, that's weird. Kind of aggressive. <laughs> I don't know if I should report this later. Honestly, I had no idea she was interested in me until she grabbed my cock. And I'm like, oh, okay, she's flirting like a fifth grader. Okay, I'm picking up on that. Next thing I know, I ended up in this like accidental threesome with some dude I've seen around the party for years I've never spoken to. That was pretty fun. Yeah, it was fun. But uh, I couldn't help but thinking on my way home that night, like, wow, that was so great. That was a great party. But it would have been greater with Wallet Note Lady. Yeah. So I did Hacienda for that night. And then the next day, you know, I did a whole family day. Hung out with my sisters, my niece and nephew. Went on the boat with my dad, Billy Sr. Some of y'all saw that on Instagram. He taught me how to, he's got a little 27-footer. Took me out on the Hudson River and tried to teach me how to drive the boat. He teaches me enough times I might be able to just like borrow the boat by myself. Go pick up some slutty friends on the other side of the river. Have a little orgy on deck. That's what. Gosh, dreams, right? It was a really nice day. It was a really, really nice day with family and with little babies and my mom saying inappropriate things about how easily I slipped out of her vagina. She really she really likes to make sure we all know that she needed no pain pills for any of us. Uh, just three pushes for each of the kids. We're like, wow, mom, we get it. We get it. You and dad used to do a lot of fisting. We get it. But uh, yeah, 33 years old. Let's fucking do this, people. Thank you for all the uh, the birthday shout outs on Instagram. Uh, the, some of y'all really did take to my request and uh, you're sharing the, the podcast and your Instagram stories and on Twitter and tagging me. And gosh, that made me feel awesome and special and very much loved and appreciated. Thank you. Thank you again, truly. For the birthday love. You know who else shows me some love? Daniel Sierra on Patreon. Oh, yeah. Fan whore appreciation moment time. Uh, the main thing I know about Daniel, based off of his introduction in the champagne room, is that he's big into PNP, which are letters in an order I do not quite understand. It has something to do with blowing clouds and faces. Um, I just, my, my senses sense this is some sort of drug thing I don't understand. But that just means that you're, uh, you're a fun dude. Daniel, and uh, thank you for supporting me and the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. I did a fun Q&A this week uh, I, on my birthday. I said, pick a number between 1 and 500, and I'll share a little story, a little tidbit, a little flash 
about that hookup. But that's just one little insight into the things you get for supporting an independent content creator like myself on Patreon. And uh, truly, it's the best place you can support me and my work, what I'm doing here. If you're not familiar with Patreon, by the way, it's like a membership platform. It's a way for you to join Fan Horde Nation and become an official whorehead. And you can join the club for as little as $2 a month and gain access to a whole slew of behind-the-scenes content, bonus episodes, and private fan whore communities. Plus, you get the satisfaction of knowing that you are helping yours truly uh, keep a roof over his head and condoms on his cock. Become a member today. Support the pod you love at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Should I like over the top shame y'all into becoming Patreon members like my friends Andrea and Emily do? Every, every week they're just like, it's just a dollar. Give me a dollar. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, hi, hello. I would very much appreciate it if you could just lend me about $2 to support me living my dreams, but like no big deal if you can't, but like honestly, like you really, really should because it is just $2, but hey, I'm not going to be like ungrateful about it like those cunts over at the Hot Mess Comedy Hour. But I don't know, maybe maybe I should get a little more aggressive way. Give me your fucking money, perverts. How's that? Is that good? Should I say the URL again? Patreon.com slash podcast. Folks, this week's guest is Alex Liu. His documentary, A Sexplanation, is now available. You can rent or buy it today on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and Vimeo. Really enjoyed this conversation talking about sexual shame and how sex education could probably cure it all. Let's go get sexplained to by Alex Liu. I, I think if I had known what it had entailed when I started it, there is no way I would have gone through it. Really? Yes, because for, for numerous reasons. I mean, when it's your first feature-length documentary, I come from the world... Uh, broadcast journalism, so like TV, radio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can shoot, edit, publish in a day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the story just has to work for two to five minutes. But for an 80-minute documentary, you need a, a, a narrative through line that matches all the way through. And, I, and I, I didn't have that experience before. And I was reluctant at the fir- at the beginning to make it all about me. I always thought I was, I was already being like egotistical, narcissistic enough of like being that objective observer there. To put my own personal story in there felt like too much. And plus, I think I was just fucking terrified to do that. Mm-hmm. So it took a lot of time to actually build up the courage and frankly, a lot of therapy. Uh, to And, and a, a, an amazing creative team that kept pushing me. You know, you know, I thought at the beginning of this process, this would be like a very sexy episode of Nova. You know, a very sexy PBS documentary. <laughs> Yeah, but but I think as I went through, um, you know, you edit these interviews with amazing researchers. You know, we talked to orgasm researchers, we talked to sex educators, we talked to priests, we talked to my parents. Um, but but at the beginning, kind of the more it was much more in intellectual interviews, and, and and those only hold your interest for like a minute and a half before, without an emotional mm. core, without an emotional narrative to pull. We mean through. intellectual interview, like like just talking about the concepts detached exactly. from anyone's personal exactly. experience. Exactly, and, and yeah, and, yeah, and so. Um, uh, you know, my creative team was saying, look, well, like, why do you want to do this? Like, why is this important? And I would go into these huge tirades of how angry I still am. I'm gay. So like yeah. coming out of the closet was so difficult. My family was not prepared. You know, the schools just taught abstinence only, you know, and they talked about gay people. It was like, if you have gay sex, you're going to get AIDS and die. And so there was just so much pain and shame I still had from that experience that I really hadn't processed, I think. And so 
you know, as I would go on about why this is so important to help make sure the next generation of kids don't go through the same bullshit that I went through, you know, my producers and co-writers were like, well, this is much more engaging. What you're talking, the way you're so more animated, you're so much more passionate, like mm. this should be in the film. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like that's too mm. revealing. It's too much. It's too much about me. Um, but I'm luckily my co-writer, Leonardo Neri, he, he pushed me and said, let's go into the next interview with an expert. And instead of being about like, tell us about your research and tell us about all the things people need to know to let go of sexual shame, which is what kind of I was going to go into much more personal and going into being like, here are all my specific personal shames. Mm -hmm. Here are all my specific desires and fears that I've never told anyone. Uh, and, and, and you were asking that to the, to right. them and see what comes at it. And, and of course, immediately that unlocked the whole thing. You it's know. so much more interesting. Yeah. I get, I, you know, I, this, I've done over 400 episodes now. So I, you know, your documentary may be also seen by a lot of people who need to learn a lot of that. But I've covered a lot of topics ad nauseum at this point. So when I get pitched, like, say, some expert, I go like, you know, are they going to talk about themselves? Mm -hmm. Can they talk about how? Because it's so much more interesting, <laughs> so much more interesting to learn about the person and the expert or the researcher. Because I find that if people dig them, they'll get the book, mm -hmm. right? So actually, you know, it's like someone who did that well is a, so Dr. Ina Park I yes, had on. I love her. I oh. love her. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so like, yeah, she's going to teach us about STDs and mm -hmm. stuff, but like she's sharing her stories right. and that just makes it a more compelling yeah. piece of media to, to take in, you know, oh, yeah. like, yeah. Okay. You research desires, but like, what, what are your desires and were your desires in those top 10 research ones or not? Like, right. that's always so much more fascinating. Just uh -huh. like, read me your paper. You know, it's yeah. like, we'll see the, they like you, they'll see the doc. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if we just talked about the doc for an hour, it's like, yeah, but what about Alex? <laughs> and I think we were able to get uh, like Pornhub. We were the first documentary film crew that Pornhub actually sat down, sat down with um, just because, I mean, uh, we can go into the, the shady business practices that maybe <laughs> some people think Pornhub, you know, uh, works in. But um, our goal was just like, we want to talk to their data scientists because mm -hmm. no one is more honest about their sexual desires. And when they're entering that search term, in the Pornhub search engine. It's, and Pornhub loves dropping some fun right, graphs right, and right. data, man. And so, you know, the, it took it took probably two years back and forth just to think that through because, and, and it was just, but when I started to be like, no, it's actually about more about me. It's more about how I'm terrified. It's more about, th that kind of helped, I think, soften them up. And, and, mm -hmm. and people we never thought we could get um, because they were scared about how uh, their words or their research could be twisted because it can get so easily twisted with a culture that's yeah. so, you know, ignorant. Um, that, that, that was, that really unlocked some really great interviews. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that was, that's such the best way to go. That's such a better way to go. I'm now more excited to watch the doc <laughs> even now. Cause now I'm like, Oh, who, who is this subject? Like what's their story around it? When you were hesitant to share your connection as like a through line for the film, I mean, how much of that was actually the question of should a documentarian put themselves in the flick and how much of it was just like, Please no. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't want to share that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought of myself because it's a convenient excuse to be like, no, no, no. Good documentaries, you right. know, they 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 stay out of it. I thought of myself much more as a, of a Leslie Stahl than say a Morgan <laughs> Spurlock, um, and especially about sex. You know, I, I and I think ultimately, oh my god, imagine fast food nation, but with sex. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I I did a different sex act every day for a month <laughs> just to see what would happen. That's actually a great idea. You should you should you should do that. You should do YouTube series on that um but but the um i think also when it came down to it 
I just thought like, who could connect to a queer Asian man story? Like, you know, I, I think I've never seen it before. You know, I just thought, you know, it would be too niche. It would be too, it, you, you'd lose 90% of the audience because we were told over and over again, trying to pitch for money too, like that you need to be as broad as possible. You need to be as uh, accessible as possible. And so I thought, oh man, if it's about my queer identity, it's about my Asian identity anyway, uh, that's that's just not going to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm glad that I had a production team that was like, fuck that. Let's yeah. just let's just see what happens. It doesn't hurt trying it. Uh, and, and we really just, uh, we were able to have so much, the, the conversations are just so much more engaging because we're actually having a conversation about something rather than ideas. You know? Sure. Yeah. And then and with the Asian identity, you know, like we see such like sexlessness, right, from Asian characters. And then we got crazy rich Asians and people are like, oh, I think I want to fuck that guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot of people, so what is, is his name Daniel Kim? Um, so Daniel Day Kim, he's on Daniel Lost. Day yeah, Kim. yeah, he's right. great. But he wasn't in Crazy Rich Asians. It was uh, Henry Golding is, Henry, is the main character. Well, that was the main, okay, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. I people saw him and were just like ah fuck that guy and yeah. then also uh, David from I think they're, all of a sudden they're seeing like, these, like Jack dude like, what's going on here why am I because yeah, because there weren't uh, there weren't examples there was it, no yeah, yeah. Yeah, hot Asian guy for right. or I you know I don't even know how many hot Asian women there was Lucy Liu how many yeah. were there in, in our youth yeah yeah it, it's we're definitely I mean in the last two three years it's it's, it's blown up so much yeah. but when I was when I first started this film in 2014 when I had the first ideas you know, there wasn't really anything people could hang on to yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and in 2022, I, you know, I look at, you know, identity markers for you just like, and sometimes I write like just words uh, to always like jog things while I go. And so it was like gay, Asian. I was like, that that's not sexless to me in 2022. I saw science nerd. I'm like, does he fuck? <laughs> science guy? Right? It's like, like that's the part that like impedes upon things, if anything. Um, you know, it's like, the, how is that? How true is that that the the science nerds are not that horny? Oh, oh my god! I think if you were to talk to the many of the nerds that are doing the research now, they're doing it because like they uh, are kind of are sluts themselves, and they and they just were so tired of um, being told that what really brings them the most meaning in life is somehow like a frivolous expense. Right? That's the mm-hmm. craziest part this whole process when you learn how little money goes into sex research like we don't even have an official definition of what an orgasm is like that's still (laughs) under debate we don't know what an orgasm is but when you think about it like the most important relationships in your life the ones you remember on your deathbed the ones that will bond you to a person that you'll build a whole life around are people you've had amazing orgasms with like that's the thing that glues us together in so many ways. It's and like so, family and people you had great orgasms right, with. Right. Hopefully different people. Right, right. Hopefully. <laughs> Ideally, yes. Um, so so that's that That to me is the one kind of uh, realization of doing this whole thing of like how it's this weird thing, how we like we treat sex and sexuality often as like, especially on a, in a political realm or especially uh, uh, culturally, like as this frivolous, mm-hmm. like guilty pleasure. But in real life, the way we actually live, it's like the most meaningful things that we ever do with our mind, body, soul, you know, so, so it's just such a crazy disconnect that I think so little people think critically about. Were you a slutty guy at some point? Were you a slutty <laughs> science guy? I think, you know, we talk Pass a little me that beaker. We, if you know <laughs> what I mean. we, we talk about uh, my, my Catholic upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in the movie, and I think as a huge middle finger to the Catholic church, because I think ultimately that was like the most destructive force when it came to my coming out in our family and, mm-hmm. and dealing with all this. Um, I put as many dicks in my mouth as possible, as early as possible. Good for you. Right, right. As, a, <laughs> as like, you know, kind of a, 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 just, just that middle finger to the Catholic church. And I think um, it was through that process where I thought like, I'm having all this sex with so many guys all the time. 
And but I got to my 30s, I was like, I'm still fucking angry about this. I don't know why I'm still angry. And I think, you know, ultimately, the choices I'm making aren't necessarily based on like, um, what is best, most healthy for me. Uh, not to say that I didn't have lots of fun and didn't have amazing relationships through it. But like, I still hadn't fully processed how deep the shame still ran. Mm-hmm. Like how just how deep, like little things even like I'd been with some my guy, my now husband for like, three or four years at that point and i still we were living together for three years uh and i was still like hiding when i masturbated with him or like pretending it was i was like that's i mean nuts. i think a lot of us are hiding when we jerk off <laughs> in front of a partner right like during the pandemic it yeah. was a you know it's like hey why are i'm right in the other room right. why are you why are you jerking off in my closet right. or, or, but you know i can say something like i need to take a work call but i can't say i need to jerk off for 15 minutes uh-huh. and he's literally been inside of me you know yeah. like like yeah. what is what what am i ashamed about i mean i think in there like i mean I think that's uh I don't think you have to even have that much shame around sex. I think there's something about like not wanting to insult a partner of yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna take care of me. I mean, that can be living with someone and wanting to take a very intentional masturbation break, mm-hmm. or that can be like being in bed and like wanting to just like jerk off next to the person, mm-hmm. which like I know I've wanted. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like I've had women who said, like, we fucked, we're finished, and they're just like, Oh, I'm so close, I really wanna finish. Do you, like I've had women ask me, do you mind if I masturbate? Like when things have semi-concluded and I'm like, great. And can, and then it's like, can I assist? Can I tweak the nipples? Can I make out? Like what can I do? Or can I just talk dirty to you? But there's, there is that like, I know I'm sometimes nervous when I've like cohabitated temporarily with a partner. Cause I'm like, I don't want, cause sometimes like you don't want to fuck. Sometimes I just want to jerk off. Exactly. Sometimes and I don't want tired. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just nuts that like. I just feel like it should be, it's, it's like, you know, sure, maybe at the beginning it's hard, but like, just like when you live with someone and you know when they're pooping, like, it's the same thing, you know? I don't know if I'd make them the same thing. Hey, it's like everyone poops, everyone masturbates, you know? So yeah. just like deal with it. Cause that's just like, uh, one of the most amazing sexual experiences you can have yeah. with yourself, you know? So why not just talk about it? Yeah. Well, that script can go like, Hey, I think I'm going to go jerk off. And then it's like, Ooh, do you want to fuck? And then like to tell them, no, I don't know. I'm, I sometimes struggle with giving rejection because I don't want to make someone feel bad. It is tough. Yeah. The rejection. I mean, that's kind of when we talk about sex education, you know, a lot of people ask like, what is, what should be the sex education? And, and at this point, I think with the internet, um, and all the great resources out there, people know how to get disease. They know how to prevent disease. They know how to prevent pregnancy for the most part. But what we don't know how to do well is how to communicate because mm-hmm. it's so complicated, so nuanced. Rejection is part of, uh, you know, what human sexuality is. Sometimes you don't feel in the mood, uh, and, and that can be a big letdown. And, and we, we've built up because we're so silent about it. We've built up in our heads what it means to be rejected in ways that, Ultimately, if you if you get that comfort to talk about it, it it's not so so difficult. It, but it takes work. It takes emotional work. I um, mean, that's what I wish sex education was kind of more framed about communication. Really. Do you remember like an early rejection? <laughs> I remember a lot of early rejections. Do you yeah. remember like one of your first rejections? Because I remember mine. Athena Graham is fourth grade. Did not I, like my love poem. <laughs> I think I think my early rejections. I coded it as like they don't want my friend. Mm. Um, but it was boys and I didn't code it as like, I, I wanted to kiss with them or, you yeah. know, you know, sleep with them or whatever it was and, or, or just, you know, just be close to them in any way. Sure. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, like I, that is something I still struggle with. And, and it's interesting throughout this whole process. Um, you know, I think because of how homophobic my upbringing was, and it wasn't even that homophobic, mm. um, I grew up in the barrier, many people have it much worse, mm-hmm. but the relationship I have with straight men, I think because of those early times of rejection, I've been so repressed around. Like, like 
you know, going to a gym where I haven't been before, like if I don't, if I have a feeling that straight men, like I get, I'm like heads down, don't even look because I'm terrified of becoming attracted to straight men. You're making gray eye contact right, right now, by the way. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm active consciously have to think about it. You're doing great. Like, <laughs> like, cause I'm so scared of, I mean, physical violence is one thing, you know, I think, I think Matthew Shepard, all that kind of stuff, you know, that, that is something that's always in my head. But I think that early rejection from youth that like, I didn't understand, I didn't have the tools or understanding that i was actually kind of in love with these boys mm -hmm. and i was so so hurt when they like said minuscule things that they probably didn't even code as rejection you know like but but i did and 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 then you know i think that's one thing i'm kind of trying to explore like i think actually most straight men you know if 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 framed in the right way would not be mad if i actually flirted a little or if i actually were like at least fully present and and in a moment with someone where where i like I can actually like be present to my sexual attraction to them because mm. so much of my life is just repressing that. I don't know. It's still something I'm still grappling sure. with, but that's something that like throughout the host process, I'm like, like, yeah, like you, you can try to repress your sexual attraction to people um, in, in one arena, but it just fucks you up in all the other arenas. So like how, how do you actually process that in a healthy way where, where it's expressed, um, but it feels like, um, I don't know, more like fun rather than fear. I think there's a male struggle in general with uh, intimacy, even if it's platonic and not knowing where the line between platonic, romantic, when it comes to that, like male intimacy. I remember one time I was at the comic strip and this other com this comedian, Nick, um, we were all like, we were all just like hanging around like a high top table in the front waiting like for the, the late show to start. And like, I forget what we were talking about, but like we were like vaguely a about a foot our face was like about a foot or so apart and there was there was a brief moment of pause he was like it's this is really weird i feel like you want to kiss me and i'm like <laughs> i was like i mean like i don't but like I, I felt like there was this intimacy of being in close proximity talking to a good friend mm -hmm. about whatever we were talking about mm -hmm. that felt i say icky for the lack of the, the correct word as in different it felt unusual it felt like i didn't know what that was because uh, I also haven't had male friends, mm -hmm. right? So I was like, I never got to like do that male bonding <laughs> thing. And I think there, that's like an intimidating thing for guys. I think guys don't want to be close and open up to their male friends. They'll call their female friends when something tough is happening, right? Yeah, I, I think I totally relate. Like it's so much, I think you learn from people. I don't think realize how early it starts. The idea of like boys don't cry mm -hmm. or... Um, boys are like this or you know boy friendships are a certain way right 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 like uh i remember like in kindergarten like I, someone had i need chapstick and this boy was like i have chapstick and i was like oh, thank you and then but then the kindergarten teacher was like no that would be like if you kissed him oh, that's I was like okay yeah. share chapstick with boys i'll share chapstick with girls i yeah. don't know what you yeah, want see, it, 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 little <laughs> things like that that kids pick up so early mm -hmm. about how they are supposed to be as as whatever gender that that, that they are and and i think if, if you really stop to think about it or and talk with someone about it, things will rise up that you that happened in so young, like like even to the idea of like I think like back to masturbation, I think I think a lot of young parents are surprised how early, like right from birth, mm -hmm. babies will soon quickly realize that touching their genitals feels good, and how many of them very quickly parents freak out and swat their hand away, yeah, and it's a very quick reaction where the baby starts to learn like this is a no, no, this is bad. And 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 so many neuroses, I think, stem from that when it comes to sex. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you ever felt, in your earlier days, did you ever feel confused about the difference between when you were, like, interested and wanted to be flirty versus when you wanted, like, a 
intimate male friendship. Did that ever feel confusing? I, uh, yes. And I, I think I still am confused mm-hmm. about that, to be honest. And it might be something I'm always confused about. Yeah. Um, but I've, I found the only way to, to deal with it is to talk about it and, and hear kind of other people's. Because I think often in, this, in your silence, you build up the worst possible, worst case scenario, what it means for who you are, what it means for that other person, how uncomfortable they're, you're making them. And I think... You know, it's, it is work to, to talk about it. But I think, yeah, when I when I was young, I would have these very intense relationships with boys um, that that I think clearly was like a crush. Yeah. And and uh, would probably get too intense for them or they would just do something innocuous like, you know, like not share a French fry or something very simple. And I would blow it up to something that was crazy. And that's something that's a pattern I've learned that I realized that like. Um, and really through this process, I would, I never would have, would have, would have kind of really stopped to think about how, how these, how these little things in my life, um, have really led to a lot of shame and repression sexually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's like one of the bigger revelations you had in the process of making the doc? You know, to be honest. About yourself, not about like the state of sex in this country. (laughs) You know, to be honest, I think at the beginning, like I said, I I was so angry at at kind of my sex education and, and my, my shame that, um, I, I didn't quite realize I was turning into the thing that that I most did not want to be, just kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Mm. You know, I think, you know, in my late 20s, I was kind of like a, this big queer activist. Uh, and, and I think if a gay man were to come to me and say something very simple, like, I actually don't like anal sex, I would have gone into a huge tirade to be like, that's because you're repressed. That's because, you know, like you are... You've internalized the homophobia of the culture, and I would have been shaming them, just kind of on the opposite side, right? That like, I I I think I I I needed people to be as slutty as possible to make myself feel okay. Mm-hmm. But I think through that process, I've realized like, no, I I actually think the you know I, I would I've called myself sex positive, and I think it's great to be sex positive. Um, but I think I kind of now have gone back a little and think myself a little bit more sex neutral. Like I think. Ultimately, if what I want from people is to listen and accept me non-judgmentally, I have to do the same, uh, even if I disagree vehemently with who they are and, their, and, and, and the messages they have. So do you still think that like um, queer dudes who don't like anal sex are repressed? I, I, I definitely still probably think that and I question that because right? I, I find that in myself. Right? I think learning to like bottom for me or and enjoy it and get into it and like not be like just in my head the whole time bottoming took a lot of time because i i was like what does it mean to me it's like the same thing intimacy like mm. the lack of control you have like to fully submit um is terrifying because i think so much of my life to, in order to survive i had to be fully controlled on every single moment of my life just to make sure i was safe right that, mm. that and and so um learning that has unlearning that has been so difficult it hasn't been until my, now I'm in my late 30s that I'm actually fully able to kind of like enjoy those experiences, like really enjoy mm-hmm. and really trust someone and all that stuff. So, so of course, I think I, that that's something I think a lot of gay men, especially at my age, must m- many of them deal with. But but even if that is the truth, um, my, my approach to that is now much more along the lines of like, that's fine. That's totally fine if that's where you are. <laughs> like, like, and if you're But happy, there's a part of you that still thinks like that. That's where you are because you're not there yet. Of course, of course. So that, you're still, and, and you're still I, in that spot. I've, it's so difficult. As you can, <laughs> as you can attest to, I, I love to talk. And so it's been a, been a real work to be like, if ultimately the only way that person will actually start to question these things, that person will start to think about, is there a better way to really let go themselves is if 
people provide them a space to just be who they are mm -hmm. and, and not judge them. Because I think it's so easy to quick little things you say that you don't think about can feel judgmental very quickly. Mm -hmm. So if you're that person who's just listening. Such as like, I guess that's where you are in your journey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like it's, it, it comes out so quickly. But being that person, like, oh, that's interesting. And just really being just pure listening. Um that's the only way I've been able to, and, and I think it was because of the documentary, you're forced to do that, um, that you realize like, oh, that is the way that pe people need that little help being a little more brave. Um, and they only can do that if they feel safe with the person. Mm -hmm. and, and so the cheerleading I used to do in my 20s is something that I'm, I'm working on pulling back. Yeah. You mentioned like um, a sort of like tight acidness to feel safe, right? Quite literally. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, and so in life, like having to be so, ah, 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 to, to be in a safe place. Mm -hmm. But we come from also a generation where, you know, with, with, you know, we were growing up like during and just after like AIDS crisis times. Oh, yeah. So there's also a tiasiness of like, to be like safe from this death sentence that's oh, out yeah. there sexually, right? Yeah. So like, you know, what sort of, um, like, what was your experience with that as a, you know, growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, think the first even mention I ever heard of what a gay, of gay people, like the idea of homosexuality was part and parcel with HIV AIDS. Mm -hmm. Like, like that's when I first learned of the concept. That's that's kind of how I, I thought about it. And I thought, you know, because they're not giving great information about how HIV is actually transmitted, they just kind of say, like, if you're a man who has sex with a man, you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. I just thought, like, even kissing a man for the first time my immediate thought, even though at that time I kind of knew more, it was like, I'm getting AIDS. This is going yep. to be it. This wasn't worth it. You know, like this was the one this exactly. And, and, and every experience is like that. And, and you can't fully let go at all because I, I mean, I, I don't know if I would have ever been there without prep, you know, without, without Tr Truvada because um, yeah, it's just kind of this, especially when you're young and that's imprinted in you, it's so dif difficult to let go of that imprinting. It's such a g specific generational thing. Cause I oh, don't yeah. think, 20 year olds are freaked out about hiv oh, yeah. not at all at all not at all right yeah and even like even among like like you know i don't think it was limited to the you know the gay boys i think like all of us were just worried totally. like you have unprotected totally. sex possible Completely. death sentence. it wasn't until sophomore year of college where i looked up did you know that uh the transmission rate from from penis uh, from vagina to penis for hiv was like like five percent or like two percent like tiny it was exactly. like what they don't teach you that. They don't teach you that. They're scared that if you learn that, you'll just go off. You'll just crazy. go fuck. But but I don't think that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. People deserve the truth. Yeah. It's it was it was wild to me. I mean, my only sex ed I ever had was uh I went to a weird boarding school. So once a year <laughs> we had uh Pam Birchie held a dorm meeting for the boys and they taught us the statutory rape laws of Connecticut. <laughs> Jesus. That's all we learned. <laughs> that's all I learned. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got freshman year. I learned about all these diseases things, and I sent an angry email, be like, "How dare y'all not mm -hmm. teach me this stuff?" Right? Yeah, yeah. I think you know what we get is really like rape, pregnancy, disease prevention, because that seems feels safe, for, you know, politically. Mm -hmm. um, but the questions that we all really care about are like, how do we make this work for us in a way that's like pleasurable and meaningful for both partners? You know, I think, I, I think, and I, I think a lot of everyone just wants it to go well yeah. and make it feel good because um it's so difficult to, to to get there it takes so much communication which we're not good at um i i think the way we think about sex education you know framing it much more about how do we maximize pleasure mm -hmm. and, and 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 pleasure can often feel like frivolous but I, but but it's really one of the most meaningful things in our lives 
um, how, how do we maximize pleasure while also minimizing risk? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then you said you felt most comfortable when you got, you know, when Truvada came out mm-hmm. and Prep came out. Mm-hmm. But there was also that talk that concern i remember when i first learned about like i think i heard it on savage lovecast like when that started becoming like an approved thing i was like but then aren't like people just gonna like not use condoms and get all the other diseases that's exactly what happened yeah Yeah. is that what happened because i never really did a follow-up look yeah yeah so in the in the 2010s uh it's this amazing curve where hiv basically plummets to near zero and then all the rest go up like Mm. 10 times every year (laughs) so so yes i i think you know, but I think it's, again, it's just about understanding the risk, right? So if it's someone you first met, I really wish gay people, especially gay men, were in charge of the coronavirus response because we understand how to protect ourselves from disease while still living full, lovely lives, you know? And and it is just like, I, I think, you know, especially if you're in a major city where, where, where you know, uh, public health officials are all about pleasure and mm-hmm. non-shame. Uh, the, re- the the response it is is just being uh, destigmatizing testing, right? So test as often as possible, as early as possible. Disclose last time you got tested, and then in that disclosure, you can make a decision in that moment. Like, okay, you, last time I was tested six six months ago, uh, maybe we should use a condom, or maybe we shouldn't go full anal, or maybe we shouldn't and have that conversation. Um, but if I was tested a month ago, I've had no partner since then. All let's go, you know. It's it's that you can make that decision. Um, and, and so I think that hopefully is becoming the conversation because of course we want to protect ourselves. No one wants yeah. to get an STD, STD, even if it's curable. Um, but on all it takes is, is free, easy access to good healthcare and, and, um, yeah, communication about, about your practices. Yeah. When you first got on prep and I, I assume that was in your twenties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you make some condom list decisions? <laughs> oh yeah. Did, uh, of course. Did you also go like, great. I don't oh, ditch was, these, throw them away. Yeah. I think. The one thing that, you know, like, I think is crazy to me is like, let's all be honest, like, like, bareback, unprotected sex is one of the best feelings yeah. in the world. We are driven for like, and, and to pretend like you can just say no, or that like, like in a, a moment of a passion, you're going to be like, you know, what would make this better? A condom, you know, like, I, I think it's it just, it's just ridiculous to think that, um, that, that that should be how we base any public choices because mm-hmm. it's always going to win. It's like vegetarianism. Like you're never going to make that a public health choice, even though we all know it's better for the world and our bodies because meat tastes fucking delicious, you know? Yeah, and, and, and so, and so you have to design a policy based on who we are actually as a species. Mm-hmm. And so, th- and that's why I'm saying like, like, like with the idea of condoms, like, yes, they're a great option to have, um, but just like we have plan B, just like we have other options, like you should never design your public p- health policy around the fact that people should just wear condoms because on people be being perfect. Right, right. On people not saw. being people yeah. like 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 yeah. like, 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 <laughs> like it's just it. it's just not going to work. So so let's design that public health policy based on who we are, which is condomless sex is the best. So let's make sure we have tons of testing, you know, tons of resources available. Uh, and isn't that just a way we want to live a life? Don't you want to live in a society where condomless, you know, bareback fucking is like easy and safe. Like, isn't that just a better way to live? I mean, I thought like we could have gone closer with this whole thing. Oh, we're all staying home for an indefinite period of time. If we literally all get tested right now and treated, if we have some. Exactly. Oh my gosh, we could eliminate all of it. Right. We had a I chance. Know. We I had know. this rare opportunity we did. and we didn't do it. Exactly. Uh, you know, you said like, you know, con- bareback sex is the. Now, physically, feels the best actually when you say um it doesn't add to it to say you know what this needs a condom but like actually in my mind 
when it's not someone like I'm familiar with, if I've made like a not great decision, sometimes I like mentally, I will, the sex will be better if I add a condom because I'm now no totally longer fair. in my head. Yes, yes. Whatever can get you out of yeah. your head. But I think better. that's only because of like yeah. the installation of like fucking condom, condom, AIDS, AIDS, yeah. condom that we got for the minimal sex that we got growing up. Yeah. Like, I think that's just so ingrained in yeah. me. And I totally get, especially if you're uh, on the receiving end, uh, the being penetrated. Of course, you will never be able to fully relax unless you're pretty confident you're not going to get some sort of disease or become pregnant. Yeah. So I think, you know, that is the one, you know, I, I often I often think like, you know, to to the men who who are like, ugh, ugh, I'm like, like, trust me, the sex is going to be better if your partner <laughs> is fully relaxing in the moment. And, and for you too, you know, for yeah, you too. Yeah, yeah, that thing's gonna loosen up. Right, You're gonna exactly. get in easier. <laughs> You're gonna be able to have better sex, rougher sex, whatever you want. It's almost as if up. you give a shit about your partner, the overall sexual experience <laughs> right. that I know is ultimately better. For, it improves. Right. I wish that would be a huge message they would teach in sex ed. Like that is something empathy. What exactly, an idea. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that that it, I can't believe it took like a decade for me to fully comprehend that. Yeah. Like it's nuts. Yeah. Is, do you, can you think of a moment in your romantic or sexual life where your lack of sex education really shone? <laughs> sure. I think bottoming anal sex, like no one tells you, you need so much lube, like so much, so much lube. Like, like, <laughs> like for years I was like, Oh, this is pain. It's not, uh, what's the, why is everyone so into this? Like, it's just not, it's painful. It's awful. But that one small little fact, once I discovered, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like, you know, more, you know, I think that in and of itself is like a, a, a total uh, in and of itself. That's like a total uh, game changer that I wish. I mean, that should be like the first thing that people teach. Like, how do you make sex feel good? Loop. <laughs> and and what what brought that realization to you? Who taught you? <laughs> and ultimately, I think it was older gay men who I was hooking up with. You know, mm -hmm. they were like, oh, you need way more lube <laughs> like 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 go and buy much more lube and i was like oh really and then yeah if if it weren't for you know older kind of daddies in my youth i, I think there have been no way i would have learned it. it it had to come from this 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 other source because you know especially in the 90s it, it was just so hard to find any sex education that dealt at all with gay sex yeah yeah I'm a big fan of uh, of I f I feel like most forty to fifty year olds should like at some point bang someone who's college age. <laughs> Just, well, I should say someone who's forty to fifty who's good at sex right, right. should like have to for like a couple weeks bang someone in college age. Just to teach. Like I feel like I learned most of my mm -hmm. initial sex whether it's skill set or knowledge or whatever, uh, I learned most of that from like older women I was mm -hmm. hooking up with in college. Grand mm -hmm. older could be like 33. Right. But like, you know, I was, I was learning from the older folks yeah. who don't have time for bullshit. Right. Exactly. So like you're 20, you're cute, but um, <laughs> I'm not going to put up with crap. Right. So you will do this like this, how in, in this yeah. fashion for this long, or I will go find another 20 year old. Yeah, yeah. Listen to instructions. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, um, it's, uh, I, I'm very, I have very, you know, strong thoughts and bond and connection yeah. with those men, probably for the, for my whole life because, um, they helped me so much in terms of releasing a lot of the shame that I had around sex, you know, just, just actually finally being my body for the first time. Uh, and, and connecting on a human level for the first time. What did they tell you that helped you release some of that shame? I think I, I think some of the things were just very simple, like around like you're thinking too much. Like you know they they could tell you know like like you know relax or you know the best part let's stop like let's just cuddle and talk. Mm. You know realizing that like what I needed was that sense of trust and intimacy, and um, you know 
the sex I had, I'm sure the sex, they were like, this is not great sex. <laughs> and I wouldn't say it was amazing sex necessarily. Um, but I would say what really, what I, 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 I really hold on to in those moments is like laying naked, cuddling, watching TV, talking about my life in a way I never with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt comfortable because, yeah, it was just like a, like a, the pressure of, of all of it wasn't there. because Maybe because of the age difference. None of us thought it would be a long-term relationship. I, I don't know what it was, but those moments of realizing slowly that actually what makes sex good is the human connection. It's not necessarily just like getting your dick wet. It's really about the spiritual bond. That took so long for me to understand. And I think I rejected it for such a long time because that's kind of what the ter- church's message was. But they, 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 they frame it around like straight heterosexual marriage. like, But... But ultimately, like the church could actually, I think, so many religious institutions could have so much more of a revival if they just stuck, if they just changed that one idea they had about like, like sex is great, and sex is great because at its best it bonds people in a way that is otherworldly, you know, and, that, and that's something we should have and promote, um, um, that, and that's been kind of the things that um, I, I wish we could talk a little bit more about as a culture. Mm-hmm. Did you learn anything else from these uh, these older daddies? You mean like? <laughs> I mean, whether whether emotionally or physically, like, you know, like what like what oh, else did you learn from these? Oh, films? yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's I, I think the best lessons I learned from them is like to communicate in the moment. Like, I think it's so crazy that I think for a lot of times when I'm having sex with people my own age early on, um, your only reference point at that point, especially for gay men, is porn. Right. So you mm-hmm. think it should look like porn. It should feel like porn, you know. But when porn, what they don't show you is like. They're talking all the time, like, oh, that feels bad. That hurts. Mm-hmm. Let's stop. You they know, tend like, to cut around right, that. Right, exactly. They're like, oh, too much teeth. Or yeah. like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like all the things that, and, and, and when it was happening yeah. to me, like, oh, that doesn't feel good. I felt ashamed to tell someone it didn't feel good because. Like, you never seen like, anyone in the porn And because Ooh. you don't want to reject them. And like kind of yeah. what we're talking about before, like you're, you're not trained about how, but, but being with these older people and then just being very confident and being like, oh, actually stop that slower, faster, harder. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, does this feel good? You know, always checking in with me. Th- those little tiny things that are just about being a good human being, you know, and ultimately. Yeah, yeah like, I th- you know, women also don't get to see those negotiations happen yes, as often unless totally. it's like super like feminist queer porn where right. they actually do show all that negotiation yep, yep. as like uh, the build up. Yes. But yeah, you're right. Like you didn't have the example for it. So yeah. why would you know to do it? Exactly. And, and, and so I think... Yeah, I, I mean, and, and I, I mean, this. I understand how this might sound and, and freak people out, but I think one of the things that really stuck with me in a lot of the interviews I did is is, is Lisa Diamond. She actually didn't make the cut in the film, frankly, because she was talking about uh, she's she's a sexual orientation researcher, and I don't think we're there as a culture yet. We're so far behind. The movie had to be so basic. Mm-hmm. A lot of things she talked about so nuanced. But one of these things she said to me that I really stuck with me is, um, like. I wish parents would think about like, do I want my child to have good orgasms? Like, <laughs> like, like it's 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 a I, weird I, sentence. I understand, it's but we awful. also it's so necessary, right? Like, like, do you want like how do you actually want your child to be a sexual being? Because I know you probably wish that that they were celibate, or you wish that they could just you could just uh, you know hand them their their their. Uh, you know, they could be celibate until their wedding day or, 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 you know, you wish that for your child. But ultimately, like, when you're having a kid, you have to be crystal clear that they're a sexual being from conception, from birth, you know, that that they they will understand very early w- what it means to be in a body means having to negotiate pleasure. 
And, and if you're not prepared for that, you know, maybe being a parent isn't necessarily uh, something that you're ready for. If you, you know, if learning about sex felt difficult, sometimes traumatizing or confusing for, for you, and you then have kids, wouldn't you rather your kid not have to learn their sex ed by experience? Exactly. And, and I think, yeah, I think it, it's this weird kind of cultural script we have that like, you ha- you should tell your kid, no, 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 no. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary. It's a descent. And then at 18, go to college, have fun. You're now it's okay. Yeah. Like, now you just made them terrified exactly. that fun. It's, it's not, it's, it's not going to work. And, and I, I, I have a lot of empathy uh, through this process. I have a lot of empathy for parents that I didn't have before. Um, frankly, because like, you know, if I thought I had it bad. My parents had it way worse and their parents had it way worse. Like it's, 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 it's a, it's a cycle of shame or it's a, it's a, there's no blame really. We're all part of this kind of crazy sexual shame, you know, soup. Um, but, but my one message to parents, is like, don't you want to break that cycle? Cause don't you mm-hmm. remember what it was like for you and mm-hmm. how confusing and awful it was. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it's, 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 um, kids are much more, uh, able to handle these things than you might want. And actually giving, arming them with the information is probably the best way to prevent them from getting into really awful sexual situations. So, so the more information you have, cause kids are just innately curious. And if you don't give them information, they'll satiate that curiosity in other ways pornography doing it early you know you know it's 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 you can't get rid of them as as their sexuality so Mm -hmm. you have to deal with them as they are absolutely couldn't agree more well alex thanks for uh for chatting with us man this was great oh this flew by this you're you're great at this this is this has been a pleasure this is so much fun oh thank you thank you i'll let you know if i end up doing the uh the fast food nation that's uh, an interesting idea but for now where can people go to find you follow you uh and and keep an eye out for a screening of a sexplanation in their city yeah so so um if you go to a sexplanation.com you'll be able to see all the places that you can you can watch and stream the movie and we'll, we'll be available worldwide so so if, if we're not coming to your city uh, you'll be able to stream it online um and then if you follow us on our social at a sexplanation you'll also kind of hear up to date about um where we'll be and and um we're really hoping for a southern kind of college tour that that's our dream so so if you're in the south couldn't um, be more yeah. ne- there's no place i think in this country more necessary yeah, yeah. than a southern college so, tour so we're hoping that 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 actually works uh, and hopefully by by the by the fall a lot of colleges will be open for, 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 for that kind of stuff. Fingers crossed for you on that one, man. Thank Thanks you, again. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. This has been a, just a pleasure. Fast food nation, but for sex acts, man, don't don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. I Because I, I, I'd have to do like an Indiegogo to do that. And then like one of the tiers would have to be that you get to, you know, determine one of the 30 acts I do. And I know what you perverts are going to make me put in my mouth if I open the, that Pandora's box. So I got, I don't know. Uh, but Fast Food Nation for sex sounds fun. What do you think? Should I do it? Which thing should I do? Hey, you know where you can tell me that? In the champagne room. Yeah. The Champagne Room. It's our super free, super fun, super sex positive Discord server. Chuck knew how to recite all that in order. I was very impressed. Introduce yourself to your fellow whoreheads today at manwhorepod.com slash discord. Tell me what sort of things I should put on the, uh, I should plan out for my, <laughs> my 30 day sex binge. Patreon members, tomorrow all $5 and up whoreheads are going to get access to Alex's bonus episode. I clipped out a a 10-minute chunk from our conversation that was just about like 
talking to people uh, you very much disagree with, something I am not very good at. Gain access to that bonus episode tomorrow, as well as over 200 other bonus episodes at, you know it, patreon.com slash podcast. If you're new to my show, I hope you click follow or subscribe on the Man Whore Podcast wherever you're listening to this. Uh, and I hope you are following me on my Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Twitter at TheBillyPresida. Instagram, Billy is Presida. Hey, tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Make it the dirty little secret in your friend circle. Very slowly through recommending entertainment media, convert your friends into a bunch of sluts. Take your kid to a drag show, everybody. And then, you know, once the kid is away where conservatives aren't going to be concerned about uh, what they're getting influenced by, then, then, far away from the, the precious children, stay slutty. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Audio Desires, an erotic audio platform dedicated to giving you the best aural sex you can have. With hundreds of sexy stories in three different languages and a sleek user-friendly design, Audio Desires is the right fit to get you in the mood. Enjoy 50% off an annual membership or 20% off a monthly membership when you use promo code MANHOR at audiodesires.com.